Yo, this is episode 62 of Invite the Neighbors. Um, this one is a cool one. It's just me and a bunch of other podcasters within this sort of music scene. Um, I was just sitting around one day during this quarantine, and I was just kind of, you know, thinking of... Trying to think of interesting ideas for the podcast since, you know, pretty much everyone in the music world is experiencing some downtime to some extent right now. And I figured, you know, I would try and wrangle together all the people who do podcasts similar to mine that I'm aware of and just kind of see what would happen if we all got into a chat room together and honestly didn't know what to expect and I thought it was probably going to be more jumbled and um, incoherent than it actually turned out to be because it actually turned out to be um, pretty good. I actually learned a lot. It was really stimulating, enlightening conversation. Um, So the podcasts included were uh, The E Word, um, Emo Trash, no one cares about your band and um, punks and pubs from all the way across the pond. Um, sorry if there's uh, the punks and pubs um, audio was cutting out really bad during our actual interview, but I don't know if it's going to show up here as bad. So I apologize if you have trouble hearing some of what he has to say. Um, you know, we just got to get through it. It's DIY. Um, but yeah, this is a really fun episode. Um, really, honestly, solid content. So. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, go check out those podcasts. They're all on Twitter. Again, um, Emo Trash, The E-Word, No One Cares About Your Band, and Punks and Pods. And um, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you uh, you know, enjoy this and hopefully maybe you'll learn something. Like I don't know. I feel like I learned some shit. This was almost educational. Um, all right. Enjoy. Oh, one more thing. Um, if this is your first time listening, thank you very much. And you can find me on Twitter at ITNPod and at, on Instagram at Invite the Neighbors. And I'm also on Facebook if you actually use that. But um, And then my website is www.invitetheneighbors.blueberry, which is B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.net. And all my um, episodes and episode descriptions are also there. So you can look through the archives and stuff. All righty. Thanks, guys. Craig is here. It's weird it's my, to hear that when I'm not activating it. Yeah, I, I seriously like my favorite part about doing these podcasts is Craig going now recording. Everybody just, reacts so well to it. Yeah, like for for a while, I thought I was um, the only one who heard it was like the one activating it because like I would I would hit it and then I would laugh and then I wouldn't get a reaction and I would just all right whoever I'm doing they think I'm just talking to I'm just laughing at nothing that's cool. We'll just start with the podcast. But I was doing one yesterday, and the other the band actually laughed. I was like, "Oh, you guys can hear that." <laughs> I think whenever we whenever we did our episode with Corey, we were the first one that he did on Discord. So whenever like now recording happened, he was just like, "Yo, what the fuck was that?" <laughs> it's nice. very Corey. Oh yeah, yeah. Who here didn't get Corey? I mean, uh, <laughs> I have never use this system ever in my life so this is like a whole new world to me uh, yeah we yeah we primarily record with skype oh. so did, does anyone here then not do, do like one-to-one interviews or anything like that i i generally do all almost all of my podcasts like in person but yeah i realized i you know would you can just get more guests doing it doing it this way so i, I still yeah. do both but it's a good time to do it now too, just because yeah. like everybody's at home, everybody has kind of have to resort to something. Yeah, yeah. And Discord uh, works. Hi, I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out there. Sometimes my mic stops like 
starts getting crackly, if it does, just let me know. I just have to unplug it and plug it back in. Okay. Do I sound fine right now? Yeah, you sound good. Sick. Okay, sweet. We have one, two, three, four, six people in here. This is awesome. Damn. Now, everybody start talking right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which podcast is your favorite? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, I, just, I, I just thought this would be like a, a fun idea. I, I didn't really think very hard about it. And I, I haven't done any work into like how it, this should be organized. So that's how the I best figured... ideas come about. When is yeah. uh, when's tribal council where we get to vote one of the podcasts <laughs> off of the Internet? <laughs> I don't even like our podcast. <laughs> it's this the part to... where like, this the part where like it was all a ruse and you bring out a whiteboard and it's all a countdown and you have a series of trials we all compete on dude yeah and then like whoever loses have to, they can only be on soundcloud for the next year oh no <laughs> they're banished from the DIY scene i'm not even on soundcloud now like fuck damn well me neither right nobody is that's the that's the fear yeah that's the point man like it's, oh god it, Straight to the the one off like SoundCloud rapper territory, or in lo-fi bedroom pop. I feel like there there's some room for that on SoundCloud too. It's muted. Just a just a one hour long a ambient hour music long. podcast. <laughs> oh no, that's that's like that's like one inch away from an ASMR podcast, right? Yeah, basically about ASMR in these parts. Well, whenever I'm not podcasting on this this channel i'm just playing lo-fi bedroom pop through it and through my bedroom through a, a keyboard that i got at a garage sale so that's pretty basically chill. that's all no i wish i was that cool damn that'd be pretty dope though i have a uh i do mentoring and like my outside of diy life and i have a kid who has like a, a mentor a kid who has like stress difficulties and one of the things they do is they just constantly like play like this like chill like like stardew valley-esque like piano music just constantly in the Dude. house and it's so delightful i yeah i feel that like i i probably could benefit from that but <laughs> personally i uh I, d- I don't have like that i wish i had coping strategies that were that on point right <laughs> but uh Damn. yeah so i'm curious like how long who whose podcast not that this matters but like how long have these podcasts been around i'm curious like who's been around the longest and like you know how long have you guys have been doing it for i think the longest in this scene's the e-word but i might be incorrect so it, two we're the OGs years. here i think yeah how, they've been like what, two and a half years ish what's oh, okay what's that Everyone started talking at once, and then no one was talking, and it's very disconcerting. Oh. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I was just trying the- to figure out like how long each podcast has been around for. I mean, like emo trash is like a year and a half old, and I feel like a I feel like a bunch of podcasts were started around like a year before or after that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm not. Not to like toot the e words horn, but definitely like. About six months to a year after we started, you started seeing a lot more other emo podcasts popping up. <laughs> Many that aren't even around anymore. Well, I think there was like an That's initial true. boom. And then recently, they like, again, like in the time kind of when emo trash came in, there was like a lot more, I think, like interconnectedness over Twitter. And that started spawning a few. 
which I think yeah. kind of gave it like a second wave of new podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no See, one cares I was, about your band as a pretty new podcast, right? Like, yeah, yeah no one cares about your band like six months at most. Yeah, <laughs> not even, not even freshmen. We, we we still we started, get to bully them. I think we started in 2020. So I think yeah. we recorded our first episode in like January or something like that, or maybe <laughs> maybe late December. Fucking so, dudes. So yeah, we just started. See, I thought like ours, like well, mine will be a year in May, and when I started it, I I was completely like disconnected from like I didn't like even have a Twitter for my own band or anything. So like I thought I had this great idea, and like I thought like oh this is really original, you know? <laughs> I mean, n- not that it entirely isn't, you know what I mean? Because like I think we all kind of have our own lane um, within the podcast yeah, I, world that's kind of you my know? favorite thing we all have our own angles yeah but like then i started to see like i saw the um the e-word was the first one i saw and then i saw emo trash and i was just like oh, shit. oh wow all these people had these ideas i think i was the first one though <laughs> <laughs> i was just like nope not even close we actually uh, just did an episode about podcast um to get a little meta that we it's not out it won't be out for a little while but we just recorded it and like the thing that we talked about was how, like, no matter what your interests are, there's at least four podcasts for it. And like, hey, here we are. <laughs> have you guys have you guys done anything like specifically to try and like set yourselves apart from other podcasts or have you just kind of just said, fuck it, I'm just going to do what we want to do? Um, I, I think for me, what I've tried to do is try to keep it not in a studio and always kind of out and about. So I quite like the fact that like punks in pubs is essentially that we go to a pub and I have a beer with whoever I'm talking to. And I, and I think having that kind of rough and ready sound in the background of people kind of just doing their own thing and then you're just having a, a conversation that you would with a mate. Um, I, don't, I don't think that setup is anywhere else that I've noticed. Cue the long pause of everyone guessing. (laughs) Everyone just waiting for their turn to talk. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think if there's anything that sets the E word apart, it's that we have like a very, uh, we have a very wide range of DIY personalities involved. Like, it's not just like, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, the, the quote unquote DIY scene, as it's known on Twitter, is primarily centered around emo, but we also, uh, talk a lot about like hardcore, um, and, uh, various other things so we just kind of have like we cast a really broad net and then just dive into the specifics uh, from what whatever we catch it I think that's important though isn't it not kind of narrowing yourself to one thing so if you're just going to do just bands I think you're, you're kind of you're cutting out a huge proportion of what the scene's about like for, for me I one of the one of the best podcasts that I think gone out um for for my one was when i spoke to a all-female wrestling company um they just happened to be that the person who owned the company happened to be a punk and that was kind of how i kind of shifted it to to how it can be incorporated in in punks in pubs and i think if you can do that with um your subject matter if they're not directly linked to punk but have some kind of affiliation with the with the genre i think you can get a really interesting chat that you probably wouldn't get uh, that, that all the other podcasts that are doing the same genre would get. You cut out. I heard, 
Yeah, I heard I like bits and pieces of you. Oh, um, really? Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. It, it actually kind of sounds like you're in like a like you're like half robot also, so it actually is kind of cool. But yeah, it just, <laughs> it just keeps cutting out. So I don't but know I if you like check your internet or something i kind of heard bits and pieces yeah, I love them. so i heard, I heard everything up until the very end of time oh did you okay well maybe craig yeah. picked it up we'll see when this that's the, that's what's weird Hopefully. about discord you never know if you're hearing what everybody else is hearing and it's very concerning yeah <laughs> yeah but genres limiting and stupid i think we can all agree yeah yeah i've talked about that kind of a lot like you know there's within the what, what kind of what to, to what ellie said like you know there's a, like diy seems to be synonymous with emo a lot of times but there's so much more than that going on and it, it's frustrating to hear people like in bands say like well no one's going to care about my band if because we don't play emo it's like well dude there's there's audiences for other shit you know you don't have to like diy aren't the only groups of cool kids you know what i mean like there's other there's other other audiences out there and i think that's like i guess what i with my podcast i try to i don't really say no to anybody i mean i've had predominantly emo bands because that just seems to be you know the market's flooded with them but i've i've had some pretty interesting you know like i've like noise rock bands and you know like i'm having some hip hop artists on some comedians on so just anybody who's like do it yourself in general well you know i think i think one of the benefits of our little community our little scene here is how tight-knit we are like that's what leads to stuff like this but that means that we all have to be making like consistent efforts to broaden the scene and invite new people in yeah Yeah. i think uh one of the healthiest things that me and kyle did was uh disassociate ourselves from our emo because we started off as like the podcast of the emo subreddit and yeah. eventually that just kind of felt uh both very like confining and also not really representative of who we were as people let's be real dissociating yourself from our emo is one of the best things you can do just as a person yeah i was yeah. gonna say like yeah Congratulations on your personal growth as a person as well. <laughs> um, but honestly, like, I actually completely agree with that because I used to see the E word as the like our emo subreddit podcast, and I never really was interested. And when I came to understand it as more than that, that's when I checked it out and was like, oh, these people are just like people who really know their shit about emo. Shit about- like, so I, I think that was an important step. That was like, at least for me. Uh, I still actually I moderate the emo subreddit, which is both confusing and embarrassing to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I, I I primarily listen to rap and hardcore. Like I'm not that much of a of an of an emo head anymore. I just have like a lot of knowledge from my years in the scene, and I still am friends with a lot of people in in the emo scene. To be fair, though, emo heads are emo are our slash emo's worst problem. So it's probably good to balance it out a bit. So I'm I'm coming from the angle of like I've I love emo music, but I've I've never like made attempts to. I've always been aversive to like connecting myself on that level of to where like I I would know what you're talking about when you say that our slash emo has problems. So I'm curious, like maybe if you could elaborate on like how the emo heads quote unquote are like maybe an, an issue like what kinds of things that you're seeing on the subreddit i think it's the emo heads that are the problem i think it's the people that uh that assume they are emo heads without actually uh doing the research or involving themselves in the scene um 
just it's kind the of mom just, uh, fans mostly. Yeah, not, and not <laughs> even it's, necessarily. It's not even hard to, to yeah. explain yeah. this properly without without either stereotyping as you're seeing or getting into a three hour discussion. But there are a lot of problems, and the thing about R slash emo, it says it has been a hotbed of problems in the past. Yeah. Okay. Does that sound right to everybody else? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like in terms of like people maybe just like talking shit or just like putting bands down when they don't really know what they're talking about type thing or just like being elitist like if you don't if you don't think that these bands are the shit then basically you don't know what you're talking about like cuz that shit just drives me insane because taste is obviously entirely subjective and I can't stand when people try to like assert themselves <laughs> their there taste is, is a- like the best. There is a gatekeeper element, um, and there's also a problem on the other end where I've seen people argue that like Taylor Swift should be allowed on the subreddit because, uh, I gotcha. uh, the, you know, taking like the genres are meaningless debate to like a its logical conclusion. Um, a lack of nuance is probably a common theme. Yeah, okay. um, I think I think more so than that, it's uh, kind of a social problem because uh, when I first started using the subreddit. Um, and for like a couple, like maybe one or two years after, it was uh, pretty heavily left leaning. Um, lots of general leftists and communists, et cetera, et cetera. And around the time of uh, Trump getting elected, uh, we got like a huge influx of people uh, from the rest of Reddit, which is a bad place. Um, and so oh. it's just kind of it's kind of just been like on a social level kind of uh all these warring factions and uh i think probably the like the muddy waters of cancel culture have also not helped very much um yeah yeah like like jer said there's a there's definitely an issue with lack of nuance but um it's also just that it used to be a much more of a tight-knit community with more of like a uh, a single-minded or not necessarily single-minded but much more of like a clear vision of what it wanted to be and since it's grown um it's become much harder to maintain that vision um and so you get a lot of people who are in the sub for reasons that are not that are in conflict with reasons that other people are in the sub um and it's yeah kind of, it kind of breeds a toxic environment because nobody knows how to treat others with respect yeah, yeah, people. I could see maybe people trying to like mark territory that doesn't really belong to them. Like, where when it doesn't necessarily belong to anyone in general, you know. But people getting territorial over. I mean, that's kind of uh, honestly a little bit hilarious to me that people get that way over something on the internet. But is what it is. <laughs> I think it's just fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> From no, a sociological I perspective. You- I think you get that with any forum or message board because uh, as For long sure. as I've been, as long as I've been on the internet, every every little forum has like developed its own clique, its own like uh, uh, qualifications for being in the in group and qualifications for being in the out group because that's how uh, groups, especially on the internet and especially like uh, for like countercultural or subcultural interests, define themselves as in opposition to everything else. So uh, it makes sense that you see yeah. like, that kind of clickiness. I like I was never really huge into the subreddit. The only reason I know about the subreddit is I or this much about the subreddit is I love getting into culture and as it's a huge part of this current scene. But what I was hugely present for was the absolute punk 
net era if everybody knows what that is yeah and yeah I mean, there yeah. were a lot of similarities between um, that and this because it's a lot of like similar gatekeeper problems and shit and people not taking things seriously enough versus people taking things way too seriously it these themes repeat themselves in these communities it's unfortunately how they work it's kind of one of those things too. like ellie and i have known each other for a very long time through like the emo subreddits and like various like forums and whatnot and like it always reaches a critical mass where a critical mass where like when you have enough people in it some of them are just undoubtedly going to be like somewhat toxic or it's going to get generic one or the other you know yeah and i think think that's so scary like what do we do about that like this scene we're currently building Um, I think yes. a lot of what happens is that people get into disagreements and they don't understand that it's okay to just not get along with somebody. So you have to, yeah, uh, you have to you have to put up these divisions. Like, oh, I'm in this, I'm this type of person, which is good, and that person who I don't like is the other type of person, which is bad. So we need to create these boundaries um, and you strike out our own territory, even when that's not necessary. Like when when that's not like necessary you know um yeah it's kind of like a lack of empathy (laughs) approach yeah you can't you know at least imagine i mean there's obviously extreme examples where it's just like sometimes a person is just so obnoxious that it's just like you know they don't really they haven't like earned the right to that but like for a lot of times if you're sure that somebody that happens a lot yeah (laughs) yeah you know for the for the most part like back to this concept of nuance like you have to be able to like I mean, it's just a basic social skill to just get along with people you don't agree with. Like, if you, if you can't do that, like, you're not ready to be an adult in the world, kind of, you know? I, I've talked about this recently, but one of the biggest problems I think I've seen, I think I've seen in, like, the recent, like, era of this scene is a lot of people who think, like, doing anything like speaking out for anything or trying to take a stand for anything the wrong way is just as bad as doing nothing. So they judge people really harshly when they make, when they stand up for something in the wrong way, but that's what we should be encouraging. Even if they're doing it in the wrong way, you need people to be able to express these things and take stands for things. And it's weird to me that we like are willing to dogpile on these people who say one wrong thing, but, all the people who stay silent, we don't judge them the same way. I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot, and that seems to be a huge problem right now. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with taking a swing. If if you have the right intent, you know, take a swing. You know, if you feel like you early sir, I don't know. I think intention is very important in general when it comes to things like this. I think a lot of it too. Sorry, go ahead. Um, Okay, I think a lot of it too. Um, rolls back to the fact that a lot of the audiences that we're trying to hit and where the, these bands are trying to hit, or maybe not necessarily where they're trying to hit, but where they hit is just skews very young. Mm-hmm. Like you have a lot of like you have a lot of like high school kids and like you know young college students and stuff like that. Like within here that haven't necessarily had their chance to grow up quite yet. And we yeah. have to accept this is a place they're going to grow up in. Like, yeah, this is true. You're right. That's something we accept in this in this scene. We accept people who are still growing up. 
Yeah, I mean, especially that's like <laughs> lyrical content wise, like a lot of the music is, is going to be reflective of that too. Like, you know, and that's oh, yeah. kind of the reason people are here in general is the music. So like, I guess it's like the, you know, we do have a sort of a responsibility as the, I don't want to say like elder statesmen, but you know, as the people who are, we're heard a lot. You know what I mean? We're like, especially us as like podcasters, we're going to be heard on average more than, you know, the, we're all fans too, but like, we're going to be heard a lot more than, you know, um, your average fan or your average like subredditor or something like that. So like, if, if, as long as like kind of we're putting out these messages of like inclusion and like educating rather than like tearing someone down for having the wrong take with the right intention, you know, I think that's like, that's the most we can really do, you know, as far as like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, moderating, you know, yeah. how those things go. <laughs> Uh, kind of do the flip side or banter off what Jer was saying. I do think that also, uh, looking at kind of like the class dynamics of the of the emo scene, it not only is it a lot of younger people, but it's also a lot of like uh, younger kind of like upper middle class kids. Um, and yeah. so they they there is definitely like a tendency uh to speak up about stuff but i i do think a lot of unexamined privilege can kind of skew the perspective a little bit so i don't see anything wrong with necessarily like giving them a check you know like i don't yeah. i don't think you should dogpile them but i do think it's uh it's definitely a case of like i mean th- there's a lot of situations that that you haven't lived through um and like the experiences of others is valid. So um, speaking over it is also rude in a way, you know, uh, I, I would yeah. say to, to kind of bring this around a bit, like uh, it's you're right. Like we have a going off of kind of what you were saying earlier, we have a responsibility that comes with our platform to kind of build a good scene. And I think that responsibility kind of extends to we got to at least try to build a healthy place for people to grow up in like we can't hold ourselves to these insane standards but i think that's like a a worthy standard to hold ourselves to as people with platforms like there are people growing up in this we can at least like try to work with them to make this a healthy space to grow up in i think what's i think somewhat what's important too is because we are talking to a lot of like upper middle class like white people and especially upper middle class like white males I think it's yeah. necessary mm-hmm. to say that they have a larger platform than than like um, less privileged people and people of color. Like, I don't. I think it. I think it's important for them to know that their voice is heard more, even as just a fan, just because they're a white male or like an upper class person or something like that. You know. That's, yeah. I feel like it's important to use your platform responsibly. I think that's kind of what everyone yeah. is driving at. Sorry, my smoke alarm just went. Oh, oh hey, <laughs> and my smoke alarm's been fixed, so the polarity's been reversed. Yeah, when I say my smoke alarm is fixed, that means I just took the battery out of it. Fixed it. <laughs> oh, our smoke Sorry, guys, because I'm seeing being, being the only alarm was connected. Brit. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. yeah. So being the only Brit that's in this group, can everyone hear me? By the way, I'm just, I'm just, I was quiet for a while. Um, I'm just kind of interested to know them because you're talking about like how essentially you're getting quite political in, in what you were talking about. I wonder if that's the, the 
the the kind of the taste of what's going on in America at the moment is everything everything that anyone's talking about it's just has to be politically minded and, and it has like a nuance of, of politics uh i think i think it comes from the fact that emo is uh derived from hardcore which is uh a, an explicitly uh political genre of music that comes from an explicitly working class background uh so i think it, those things are always going to be kind of like um bubbling around uh in the background um certainly coming up to the surface very often um and i don't think it's a it's a thing of the fact that i don't think i don't think it's a case of having to make everything political i think it's uh the case that in in our world everything is political you know mm-hmm. i agree yeah to, to like you know like even like punk music too it's just like these are disenfranchised people a lot of times like that are drawn to this like hyper emotional music you know you either feel like emotionally disenfranchised or like or socially so like just inherently there's you know like Ellie just said, you're you're going to be politically minded, whether or not you're you know playing the music or you're a fan of it. There's something within that world that's drawing you here in the first place. So I think it it can get frustrating, it, it can get annoying, but like it's it's still it goes hand in hand in the whole thing. Kind of the way I've come to understand it is it's less about making everything political and more about knowing when to make things not political. Because I think kind of everything in your life or at least in our lives, are kind of political at this point, especially in America, especially with the quarantine and everything. And I think it's important to know like when to leave some of that in the door and be able to like celebrate in a safer space away from that, or know when to leave certain things behind in favor of being able to uh, feel safer in that context. But I think it's always important to acknowledge that those political forces are always at play. And I think that's kind of what the scene is kind of reckoning with right now and a lot of people are realizing i think yeah, i think, think probably a good the, point because yeah, i sorry who was talking i don't want to interrupt yeah it was me but you go for it Paul. i was just gonna say uh jer said that's kind of like what the scene is reckoning with right now i think probably the biggest uh political divide um that's that's happening in emo right now is kind of a split between uh liberalism and leftism um yeah, especially <laughs> i'm yeah well and uh but like uh sorry, especially, sorry, especially in uh the context of like identity politics uh because there's a liberal application of identity politics and a leftist application of identity politics and the leftist application necessarily uh takes class into account um as the primary lens through through which to view uh political events um and i think that the the scene the DIY scene has kind of been um, struggling with, uh, with with growing class consciousness, especially because you know as we noted before, it's a scene of primarily like upper middle class kids who uh, have good intentions, but um, it's uh, just like it's hard. Yeah, it's 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 hard when when someone comes from a certain background and uh, has been taught a certain way to kind of reckon with a with a new political lens especially one that has uh that has as much sway in the discourse right now as uh the essentially like 
class warfare, which is what we've been uh, leaning towards, especially since uh, since Trump's election. Um, and even like if if these people have thought, oh, I, I always have like the correct socially acceptable opinions in the past, uh, they're starting to realize that uh, a, a lot of the things that they took for granted as the correct ideas are either not going far enough or are wildly off base. I, I yeah. think that's a huge part of this. I completely agree with. I think most of them too aren't weren't very aware of their place in the class that they're in because like as a you know as a younger person you don't necessarily think about it as much or at least i didn't as a younger person and like it's just one of those things where like in your bottled up community you don't necessarily recognize a lot of times where your actual stance is and where your perceived stance is you know Yes, yes, yes. A lot of people will perceive themselves, especially as children, to be the lowest person on the totem pole, I feel like. And I think a lot of those people are still reckoning with those feelings as they grow up, when in reality you were you were born about halfway up the ladder if you were if you know yeah. you're a little less fortunate. I think I think one of the toughest things for a lot of these emo bands is, or even DIY acts in general, is being told, hey, you have it pretty good compared to a lot of people because they're like, they've, I, I hate to say it, but to a certain point, especially a lot of the more gimmicky side of emo, a lot of bands are branding themselves based on that idea. So when you try to fight against that idea, it comes across as, kind of fighting them and i think that causes a lot of like disconnect in the scene about what it means to they think you're causing problems when for a lot of people that's what they think building a stronger scene looks like i think emo as a genre both on the band side and the listener side has always been a genre that um identifies as being uh one with the underdogs uh to yeah I can name you about but, six EPs named Underdog right now. Sure. And they're yeah. all by the Wonder uh, Years. <laughs> I was going to say at least once by the Wonder Years. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the the Wonder Years actually kind of grew up a little bit rough. But um, I, I also, do think the Wonder like, Years are the exception to a lot of what we're saying, in my opinion, where they did yeah. grow a lot of that consciousness as they grew. But that's a total discussion for a different day. I'm sorry. I think when you have that underdog mentality and then get told, uh, hey, actually, like you do have it pretty easy or you have it easier than some other people or you have uh, privilege in a way that uh, maybe you don't see, but it does uh, affect people around you. Um, there is kind of like this cognitive dissonance. Um, and so you, you, you get like resistance to that. Um, mm-hmm. And to kind of follow from that uh never mind i had a thing i wanted to say but i forgot (laughs) well i think that like well kind of going back to like something that jeremy said struck a chord with me like knowing when to turn it off turn like you know leave the politics stuff at the door i think that's been really important for me um because i admittedly like i don't do nearly the research that I should to like inform myself about 
these types of matters. And so like, and, and you know, admittedly my podcast, like I um, purposely avoid discussing these types of things, which I'm glad it's being discussed right now because this is like, it's, it's, I've just kind of sitting back and listening to a lot of it. It's really enlightening. But like when I actually do like a podcast with a band, a lot of times what you'll hear is like, I I'll try to just dive deep into like the, the, the thing that's like directly related to the the musical experiences, like lyrical content, like songwriting process. Cause like as a musician, those are the things that interest me. But like, I think it's important, you know, to be aware of your own knowledge base like if you know if you're going to be vocal about those types of things you know like like, you know do the research like i i don't really do the research i'm kind of lazy about it and i'm just like not that interested i'm honestly like admittedly a little cynical about a lot of stuff so i just like don't look into it but i'm also not spouting my opinions about it either so i think you know that kind of plays into the whole you know no one to leave it at the door sort of thing just speaking for the e-word it's not often that the stuff comes out like explicitly this is more just kind of like implicit stuff um and it's just like kind of right now it's being foregrounded i think because of just the route the conversation's been taking yeah yeah Yeah, remember when this was supposed to be like a fun bullshitting session where we just talked about being on podcasts and shit this has been fucking delightful in my oh, opinion. I'm still I love fun. this shit. I'm still having fun. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to kind of pick up on that point. <laughs> just to quickly pick up on that point. It, it, have you have you ever interviewed a person who you know has kind of a, a, a background that you don't agree with and then you've pushed them on it? Because I think it's important that if we're gonna talk about pushing our own moral uh, beliefs that we should be doing that also in an interview as well. So I'm just going to show an example of mine was when I interviewed Joe Queer, and I know that he uh, oh, went to a lot of. Sh- Sorry, uh, I think it's just breaking up a off. bunch. Oh, sorry. What, um, what part did you hear me stop at? <laughs> uh, you cut off after. Basically, well. well yeah, so 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 okay, so so Joe Queer I interviewed because the band The Queers, there's an audience there, and um, I, I there's a couple of songs that I like, so I was like, okay, let's give this guy an interview, and obviously some of the stuff that he was talking about I disagreed with, so I, I felt like it was my obligation to push back, um, but I was just interested about you guys. Have you have you or are you willing to talk to anyone that you know your political beliefs don't um, in line with? Uh, and and do you feel comfortable enough that you're okay pushing back because you know that's what you believe in? Well, I I mean personally, like I've I haven't really had anybody come on where like at the beginning of the interview I already knew things about I knew enough about them to where I would know that I disagreed with them on any sort mm-hmm. of like moral issues or anything like that. I definitely have had certain things come up where I'll. I'll discuss certain things that are of moral ambiguity or maybe not even moral ambiguity, but like things that, that have been like controversial, but like related to the scene. So like, I guess an example would be if anytime like the the band brand new comes up, you know, that's like a touchy area where not everybody agrees on every part of it. Um, But like, so I've, I've had that conversation with different bands and just kind of just like pick their brain about it. But I think the most important thing is to not like it's, 
was there's certain things where you can establish like there's right and wrong, like what Jesse Lacey did was wrong. And then if people have different opinions about the whole thing, not, not that I want to get into a brand new fucking discussion, but like just as an example, <laughs> like, you know, I just, I'll allow people to put their opinions out and then I'll put my opinions out. And I really don't care enough, not about that particular, but I just don't care enough to like really actively disagree with somebody because I just, I just think it's, I just want people to be able to, you know, as long as they're not spouting some opinion that's like, like egregiously harmful or they're like spreading like, you know, something hateful. I'm, I'm fine with just both sides putting their opinions out and then just moving on asking and asking the next question, you know? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't an outright argument at all, but uh, I actually remember when we were on invite the neighbors, we actually had a pretty long, uh, disagreement slash discussion about stand up comedy. Um, and I, I, oh, thought yeah. that was, I thought that was really fun just from, just from my side. Um, cause we, yeah, I, I, oh, yeah, I sure. The jump, from the jump, we didn't necessarily see eye to eye on it, but I don't think we like, uh, collapsed into name calling or anything like that. It was pretty productive. No, yeah, I felt that, you know, it's like those, those moments can be really enlightening and educating. And I think anytime, like if you, anytime you want to argue a point it's it's better if you can understand the other side of things too you're only going to make yourself more well-rounded as an individual to hear out the other side so one thing that i've kind of come to understand is a really important skill the last few years and i think um especially our scene uh could really benefit from and is working on currently is kind of i think we all just have to know draw our own lines and know where we draw them we have to be aware of like what we're willing to say okay this is worth having an argument about like that's okay and what we're willing to say no 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 i'm not doing that like uh to the br- to the brand new point if this is up on our podcast that's getting bleeped because i don't feel comfortable giving that band a platform but like that's my reasoning and that's something that i'm willing to draw a line on but like i think it's important to just kind of know where you draw those lines because it's not like i'm about to freak out about it but at the same time i have made certain decisions based on my personal experiences and the things i believe yeah what's funny is one of the first uh podcast episodes that i ever did actually it was the first podcast episode i was ever on was oh, that's right. where we were that's talking right. about this exact subject and you know at, i think at the end of it we kind of came to the point of like don't give them a platform but we can't control what you do in your own house right if i, I also think it's important not to judge people where they where they could cope like it's important to say if you're coping in your own home like we can't stop you for like certain principle important reasons but to which is why i think it's important to at least uh stop at like this can this can create a problem for other people in the community and that's where that discussion i think usually falls the amount of people in the scene who don't listen to a canceled band i think is near zero percent if i'm being completely honest everyone everyone's got their like uh their emotional support band that maybe had some like sketchy shit go down yeah i think you just have to try i think like i think it's important to like understand these things and feel like maybe start feeling a little uncomfortable like saying like yo you should listen to this band and that's a long process to like understand those things yeah as long as you're somewhere on that process i think there's an immense power to discomfort though like i think like 
the ability to make someone uncomfortable in their views, whether they're right or wrong, I think it's just like a very intense, it's just like a very like understated power. Yeah. In general. I think mm-hmm. like that, you know, being able to navigate that discomfort too is, is like a mark of maturity. Like, yes. you know, when someone makes you uncomfortable in your views, not freaking out and lashing out at them, like they did something wrong to you just because, just because they disagreed with you, like learning how to navigate that and like recognizing that there's enough space in the spectrum of just, you know, it just a personality or just like opinions in general, recognize there's enough space for both sides to, you know, coexist and just being okay with it. And, you know, having not being okay with not everything being perfectly aligned with your opinions. I mean, that's just a sign of growing up maturing in my opinion. I think also we're pretty lucky just because um, socially, I think our scene kind of skews more towards viewpoints we agree with in general like if we were running like a black metal podcast we might have to deal with the, with the <laughs> possibility of interviewing oh, an out and out white nationalist you know that's never gonna be <laughs> right. hopefully that's never going to be a problem in our scene right you know? I, I don't mean to i don't mean to make this about us like at all but like i think at least part of that's down to the fact that we work pretty hard to build a strong scene i think there have been some situations recently that made me go damn we're actually building something here that like works as a scene and that's kind of cool like I-, I think to a point we have kept out some bad things yeah i i kind of want to get into that a little bit as, as far as like the whole um and this is honestly to be completely transparent for my own like personal benefit that I want to know about these things but like this this idea that you're like helping to build the scene and that that's something that like that was one of my initial goals when I started my podcast um and I guess in a way like when I look back at like my own body of work over the past year I, I feel pretty proud of like the you know platforms I have been able to give bands but like what are are there things that you guys do specifically like f- to build the scene directly like like ways to like i don't know help out bands that you believe in or just things like that like i i guess if you can like concretely like what do you look at from your podcast that makes you think like yes i'm 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 doing something positive like i'm building the scene like are there like tangible things that come to mind um, I give out free sponsorship to any uh, person who has any form of connection to punk. So that means art, um, any form of business. Uh, I try and do that. So I, I will allow anyone to have any uh, sponsorship that way because um, I don't have it. I won't have sponsorship, paid sponsorship on the podcast. So I, I think it's important that I give a platform to bands or, or poets or artists to, to have that and that's kind of what I do. Um, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think as far as like expanding the scene or making the scene better, I guess um, mine's a bit of a unique case where we just kind of get people interested in the people more so than the music because you know our whole shtick is not talking about music; it's talking about something that you're interested in. So oh, like, okay. <clears throat> I think what we do more than anything is try to just establish the fact that these people in these bands are just people with interests that 
also happen to make pretty cool music, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for, for, I guess for us, like, we also kind of come from a unique position where, like, Emo Trash was started just to talk about, just because Robin and I wanted a chance to talk about music, and, like, we happened to find this community, and I really love this community so i want to build it and i like building communities it's something i really care it's something i love doing so like i have like a lot of privilege coming into this that a lot of people in this community don't have where i don't really need it to survive like i'm not making art within it or something this is kind of completely a hobby for me and robin gotcha we really try to use that privilege to like help when we say build the scene kind of help the people we think are important and care about get out and use our platform to support them and build like um we like we've given a space for different people to write on our website we try to have a variety of guests on to talk about like uh to talk about more classic records in hopes that people will tune in knowing those more classic records we uh we've started a few different side projects like when we helped uh promote sledfest and stuff uh, yeah what like what i like to do is i like knowing what i think it's important to know what you can do in the scene and just try to fill the voids that you can i think that's how you build a scene because if you can fill those voids you build together and then you build something strong i'm kind of getting a little metaphoric and i don't think it's helping my point no i i i understand what you're saying i think like where now that now that you like you guys have all said something i think like looking back on my own contributions I guess I would think that like I in terms of like trying to build the scene like I literally I don't say no to bands like if I don't care how many like as long as you have some if it's clear that you're really trying to be a band and you're not just like like people just fucking around in a garage and that just well, want to come think, bullshit. I think not to bring all that shit from the beginning of the podcast back, but all that shit's important to building a scene too. Like if we're going to be the ones giving a platform to people, we have to know and have that responsibility to give it to the right people. And that's part of building yeah. a good scene. But you don't also want to like be cloud chasers. You know what I mean? Like oh, you don't want to own, you don't want to only have bands that are already established because then it's just like, what's the, you know what I mean? Like for me anyways, like I think it's different maybe for like, uh, uh maybe for the E word because you know, you guys have like a bigger listener base and you're going to have more demand to be on your podcast. So it's like, I think it's more, it makes more sense for you guys to be more selective, but definitely from, from my own I'm self-aware enough to know that like I'm a startup myself. And for me to say no to a band who's really just trying to get promotion would be really presumptuous. And even so I, I, it's weird. Like on someday you'll have on my podcast, you'll see Prince daddy and the hyena. And then the next day you'll see like some band that you've literally never heard of from the other side of the country. You know what I mean? So like, I think it's important to like give any band big or small, for me anyways, a platform, as long as I think that I believe in what they're doing, you know? I like everyone's answers to this question. Um, I think uh, for the E-word, um, kind of the niche that we feel that we fell is, um, I mean, I, I grew up reading books like, uh, like Our Band Could Be Your Life or Please Kill Me and uh, seeing like all this documentation of these scenes um, and realizing that the scene that we live in now isn't really going documented um, 
outside of like Twitter DMs or obscure forums. And we just wanted to provide like a, like a functional living document of the scene that people could look back on and see not only like what people were excited or talking about back then, but also like how the scene was. Um, so I, uh, I it, hate it, how much yeah. better your answer was than any of ours. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> fuck, that's a good answer. I mean, I, I we also try to be like as inclusive and uh, welcoming as as we can. Um, I don't think we've ever turned a band down to to be on the podcast uh, based on you know them not being big enough or anything like that. Um, we try and just have guests on that we personally are excited about. Um, and it, like, if the schedules line up, that's awesome, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, from, from just like the perspective of building a scene, I think something that's important to keep in mind is um, the internet lasts forever. Uh, nothing is forgiven and nothing is forgotten. So we try and uh, be as not foolish as possible. Um, so like 10, 15 years down the line, uh, like maybe two people will remember us, but those two people will have like a, like a, like a solid ground, uh, from which to talk about, you know, what was going down in emo, like 2018 through 2025 or whatever, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's, that, that kind of is what's cool about just music art in general i was talking to charmer about this yesterday about just like it's i mean not that this podcast are like on the same level as like creating an album but you 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 put it you like you record it once and then you just have it forever you know and i think like it's cool for us as podcasts to be able to like document you know when an album say when an album comes out if i have like a band on like to talk about that album not only does the you get the album as the document of the music itself but then you get like an auditory sort of journal entry i guess of the band discussing all the things that went into it like you know you i used to see that sort of thing like when a band would release like a deluxe issue of a cd or something that would maybe come with a dvd of like behind the scenes sort of stuff and i always thought that was so cool so i just think like you know, I see. I kind of view the podcast as like an opportunity to like give that to bands who maybe wouldn't have the resources to do it on their own. You know, give them a place where they can do like a sort of behind the scenes, like what went into making it, what went into them, their experiences as a band when they don't really have the resources to do that themselves. I guess. Yeah. Oh, I'm curious, um, Jer or Ben, are you either of you guys? musicians at all like are you guys in bands or did you just get into this whole thing just from um being fans in a band you want to know what band's sick sweet peach <laughs> that is my <laughs> band um yeah i am a musician i'm in that i'm in sweet peach <clears throat> oh sweet also a i didn't even mean to say sweet <laughs> <laughs> also a screamo band that doesn't have anything released yet called respect women and both have been very um very good outlets as far as that goes and i think being in sweet peach especially because we're much more established but i think being in bands gives you a very unique perspective of the scene just in general and 
part of like being in Sweet Pea is part of the reason that I started. No one cares about your band in the first place, just because as a musician, you see a lot of like, I don't want to say like idolization, but like you see kind of like that aspect that you as a musician or as somebody that somebody just saw play on stage is on a higher pedestal for some reason. Yeah. Like you see a lot of people like come up to you and like, they talk to you like you used to talk to people at lunch tables. Dude, you know? it's so it's insane when that happens, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, and it's like I just want you to talk to me like a person. I have real interests. Like I have interest beyond you know playing music for you, even though that's a big one. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's actually a common thread on this pod on my podcast is just talking to bands about like. Especially when you, when I'll get like a, a slightly bigger guest when that idolization starts to pick up, you know, it, how strange and surreal it is to like, not that it's really happened to me more than, I don't know, it, barely ever, you know, maybe like I can count on one hand the amount of times where I felt like someone was talking to me in a way that like, I'm like, whoa, it's all good, dude, you know, <laughs> but um, it just, it, yeah, it's just crazy. And I think like, you know to speak to you know you're the no one cares the mission statement if you will like i think that's really cool to just kind of humanize these people you know although i will say if anyone wants comes up to me after a show and starts talking to me about my pedal board that's completely fine like i <laughs> if that is 100 just fine. laying it out yeah 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 if, if you want to idolize me for my pedal board i put all i put so much time and money into that thing that by all means, dude. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. You can talk to me about gear or like anything like that, like all day. You want to talk to me about oh. PV? I'll talk about PV for <laughs> hours. Yes. So, like, I've uh, never, as, as someone with zero musical talent, I find that disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I've never really been in a band, uh, and Robin's never really been in a band, but I'm ter- I'm very bad at guitar, and Robin's actually kind of good at guitar, and that's kind of the only difference. Um, so it's actually really weird because I I was that kid who like idolized, and like I was in high school, I was more in like I was super into like Mayday Parade and shit, like the much more mainstream hey. style of this uh, yeah. of this of this scene. So like I grew up Roger like your bravery. For admitting that you like Mayday Parade. Oh, Mayday Parade, every <laughs> avenue, yellow card, let like, all time low. Every avenue, hell yeah. Go. Yeah, um, dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, like, I was like, I grew up with that kind of like idolization in, in that scene where they over idolized a lot of those people. And oh, yeah. like, that seeped in because I was like, I was never really part of that scene except for like, I tried to like, I tried to understand that scene through the internet because I was never really part of any culture growing up. That's a different thing. Uh, so, like, I grew up, like, I kind of had that disconnect. And coming into this scene, it's crazy to me that I, that's a unique perspective in this scene that I'm like coming to understand and humanize this. And everybody's already been humanized this for the last 10 years because they're all in bands themselves. And it, it's kind of funny to me that, like, I, I'm like, I'm going through this. I'm. I think I'm like pretty close to done with the process. I'm pretty good at just like humanizing the people we talk to. But it's weird, like going through that process when the rest of the scene kind of already has. You know what's interesting, yeah. um, Ellie? You might remember the post on our emo that was talking about Eric from Mom Jeans uh, being quote unquote a dick because they. Um, that was the one and only time I did Mom Jeans. 
Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Because they were like super short in answers and like just not very interested in the conversation. I think a lot of that is like like you're on tour for how long? Like they were probably tour. in the middle of like a month long run. You're separated What's from that? like your significant other. You're you're on tour. You're fucking exhausted. You're separated from your significant other in a lot of cases. Um, and uh, especially being in an emo band, I think that playing music kind of takes a lot out of you emotionally. Uh, so I'm not yeah. surprised that people maybe don't have like the social stamina to talk to people after a show, especially if you're like of an introverted variety. Um, yeah. And I don't think that necessarily makes you a dick. Um, though, I, you know, I came up in in the hardcore scene. Um, and if there's one thing about emo, I think it's that most people uh, don't have much of a of a rock star attitude. And I appreciate that because, you know, in the hardcore scene, if you have a rock star attitude, you get smacked upside the head real quick. Uh, <laughs> right. And uh, with, with emo, I think that um, you get kind of disabused of the notion that you are supposed to be on a pedestal or that um, the bands you like are supposed to be on pedestals real fast. Like just by, by nature of, Oh, this show is at a house. Oh, I can literally just chat with people. I can help bring their gear in and just kind of have a conversation or smoke a cigarette with them after the right. show. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it just kind of uh, introduces that human element. Um, and I think it's, it's weird that, uh, this kind of new wave of social media has reversed the polarity um, because even though there's kind of like this, uh, this parasocial connection between us and the people in our favorite bands uh, through social media, interacting with them on Twitter and whatnot. um, I think it also kind of feeds into like a weird fan culture that has now made it much harder to connect with, uh, with a, with a musician you idolize on like a human level, which is why I appreciate what no one cares about your band is doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And also to that point, like, I think when you're playing house shows, it's a lot different because we've obviously been on like a few different levels of it. And like the bigger the shows get, the more almost dissociative you get with the people in the crowd because they're not right in front of you. They're two, three, four feet below you like yeah from from a stage perspective um the biggest gig we ever played was opening for mannequin pussy which was like you know a stage like four four or five feet off the ground and like in like you know a quote-unquote real venue whereas we played a house like three days before that and it's like the the stark contrast between how people treat you after you play a set at a house show versus how people treat you after you play a set on like a bigger stage is something that's honestly like pretty hard to describe, I think. And as you get bigger, you start playing those, those stages. Like mom jeans plays those stages every time they play a show because they have to. And like, you know, the bigger bands in the scene, they have to, and it just creates that disconnect and it quite literally puts you on a pedestal in front of other people. So like, that's why I'm glad we can we've gotten like the lucky chances that we have for our podcast to talk to people who are kind of at that stage now. Like talking to Corey, talking to um Chase from Dogleg, who has, you know, Dogleg has obviously blown up recently. And like talking to those people 
and humanizing them, I think, is really like something that's necessary for the people, or at least I would feel it was necessary for me as a musician, you know? Yeah. Totally. One thing. Sorry, go ahead. Was Punks and Pubs going to say something? Because I'm good. No, 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 I'm quiet. <laughs> Uh, I was just going to say one thing that we try to do on the E word is I think uh, even if we really like the musician uh, who's coming on um, and will say so, uh, I do think we try and treat everyone like a like an actual human being and not go immediately into starstruck fangirl mode. Um, oh, absolutely! Not that, anything, not that there's anything wrong with being a starstruck fangirl. You know, I've been there, but um, right. I th- it's just uh, I think podcasters have to separate themselves from that that side of of their personality because otherwise you're just not going to get a very good conversation <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. like if if i don't honestly like if if i haven't listened to a band um yet like and they're coming on my podcast i won't listen to them until afterwards because if if i end up liking them a lot i'll just i don't want to give myself a chance to gush over them you know what i mean like if so like a lot of times i'll listen to the band beforehand just so that i can you know tell them what I like about them. But if I haven't listened to them yet, I just won't until afterwards. Or like a lot of times they'll, they'll play a song in my room, in my bedroom or my living room or something. And that'll be my first taste of the band. And I'll be like, okay, you guys are sick. You know, I'm like, Oh, did you never listen to me? And they're like, no, sorry. Um, but I, I think that that's kind of something that helps me um, treat everybody the same as a lot of times. Like I've, I've been stuck in my rut musically. Like I, I'm very stubborn for some stupid reason. I have no idea why, but it's so hard to get me to listen to new music. So like um, a lot of times when a band comes on, I haven't listened to them. And so like that kind of helps me treat everybody the same. Like I, I people will probably laugh at this, but I never even listened to Prince Daddy and the Hyena when I talked to Corey. I just knew that they were big, you know? And like I, someone tagged me in a Twitter, in the Twitter post about him wanting to be on podcast i'm like oh I, well, i've heard of them i'll have them on and then mm. it was after i spoke with him that i listened to his band and i was like oh this is rad <laughs> you know or it was maybe like that day but yeah it's if if you know if i were to jump up a level and i was if i were to land like andy hall from manchester orchestra or you know ace enders in early november like if i were to do an interview with them i would have to really like take a few breaths <laughs> you know and be like okay how am I going to do this how am I going to not be a fangirl hmm. uh, well, um, I, I specifically uh, listen I, to bands uh, before they come on so I can tell them what I fucking hate about their music but you know you do you <laughs> Shout out fuck Collins. emo music am I right <laughs> um, I know what podcast to avoid my records done Jesus Christ <laughs> uh, I'm kind of the antithesis to this if anybody I don't know if anybody here has ever seen me at a show or a fest or anything uh, I know I know Connor was in the chat and he has but like I thrive off getting really into artists and like not only listening to them beforehand, but like no getting to know their songs beforehand so I can be into their set and like sing their songs back to them. I think it's kind of beautiful and it's how I enjoy shows. And that's just that's great. That's kind of a weird, unique thing I do, though it does have weird things like getting a lot of attention as a fan member, which has been not a little too much for my self-esteem at different parts growing up but it's it's been uh it's it's really cool because i really love getting to like show the bands how much i care and support them so like i kind of thrive off getting like really into the artists but i think it's really important to kind of balance that 
I think it's important to have that vast, that entire array of being obsessed with a band to people who like haven't really heard of them. And when you kind of combine all that, you get a good mm-hmm. understanding of what that band is and the people and how people feel about them and stuff. So I think I think it's important to kind of balance out. And I, I like that this I like that this scene does that really well, where everybody's supportive, whether they're someone who gets like obsessed with an album every week or they're like, yeah, I listen to new bands every now and then. Um, yeah, I, for like uh, Shannon from Awake but Still in Bed, um, we're really good friends, and we have, band. yeah, we have really lengthy like political debates on Facebook. Oh, I love like, that constantly. But um, I still, you know, we're, we're friends, and I love her music. So uh, she knows that every time she comes through, she has to play Floor because that's my favorite Awake but Still in Bed song. You know, um, nice. so it's just the. Uh, I, I think I think you can have that separation of being like a huge fan of a band, but also approaching uh, the people in the band as humans. Oh yeah, and I think Jared, what you're saying, like as like from my perspective, like as a musician, and I Ben might agree, like people like you make being in a band awesome. You know, like people like that's why you, for me, anyways, like that's why you want to become a musician is so that you can connect with the people that really want to connect you know like for for me anyways it's it's not an entirely selfish endeavor like yeah i write music that like first and foremost i want to hear but like the goal is to find people that want to connect so i think like more people if more people were that into like music to and and thought about artists on that level because that would like that would only be a good thing you know i just think like it's unique being someone who has a platform where you also have to like have lengthy discussions with them because like you know it's if you're just talking about coming up to somebody after a show or something like that and you want to just like you know gush over them for a second i mean that's always really flattering and i i didn't ever want to like put out the uh impression that it's it's not appreciated when people do that or it's somehow weird like it can be surreal and it can feel like maybe you don't personally deserve it but it's still like i wouldn't if if people stopped coming up to me after shows i would feel weird like if if no one comes up to me after i play a set and at least just to say like oh that was cool like not that i'm looking for it but i noticed that if it doesn't happen i'm like oh did was that bad you know what i mean so i think it's like it's really cool when it, when people do get that into it. I don't think anyone should be like trying to stop themselves from that, you know? Yeah. The, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever tell anybody to not come up to me after a show, like for any reason, like come up, tell me cool set. Like definitely like, you know, be a fan of my music. Like if you want to be a fan of my music, be a fan of my music. It's, you know, you're actually not allowed to leave the venue unless you say great set dude, at least twice. <laughs> That's just for the bands though. <laughs> Yeah, that's just for yeah. the bands. That doesn't count. Yeah. That doesn't count for the audience. <laughs> God, has um, anybody else heard the song uh, "Hey Dude, Great Set" by Daddy of the Long Legs? No, <laughs> it's just an entire song about how, like, say "Great Set" is like the first line is a lazy conversation piece, and it's just all about like how you say it after shows. It's great. Next time I see them, like, because I'm in the same sort of area as, as that band. So next time I see them live, I'm going to tell them they fucking sucked. Damn. <laughs> hey, terrible set, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's definitely guilty of it, too. Like, everybody. Oh, yeah. 
everybody has gone up to like a band member and been like, "Oh yeah, great set, that was sick." And like, I, I still do know, it sometimes. Well, and in my opinion, that's fine. But just end the interaction there. If yeah, you exactly. Talk anymore? Like, just say, "Yo, that was cool." Done. Yo, you guys like, are sick. Have a great night. Well, no, I think if, like, if, go ahead. If I play with a band, I don't necessarily have to be friends with every member. You know, I don't have to like yeah. get along with every with every member of every band that we played with. Like, I respect it. I respect the grind. I respect the hustle. If we have common interest, like either within music or outside of it, like, cool, we'll be friends. But like, I don't, you know, say cool set and leave. <laughs> yeah and like for me like i like me, like, I, I really actively try to avoid saying that like if you know if i don't know it feels corny yeah like what what i will do though like my fangirl will come out for things like if if there's something specific that i like about someone's set i'll go right for that you know what i mean i'll go what like I- oh that that's that last song you played like that guitar part or something like that yeah, that way they know that i'm actually fucking paying attention and then I actually get, mean what I'm saying. To get kind of to the philosophy of emo trash, I think the scene is more is better and stronger every time we get better and more effective at accessing that part of ourselves, like accessing that kind of inner fangirl part in a healthy way. Because like, yeah. you don't need to love every artist, you don't need to love every song, you don't need to love every person. But I think knowing like how to act how to find the things you love and how to really shout out about them and support them and be a positive force for those things instead of a negative force for a negative force for other things instead like i think that's kind of a really effective skill and i think that's something that i think we're all working on and i think makes the scene stronger when we do here here so seeing that most of you guys seem to be like live performers then have it have have you taken your podcast onto the stage and had a go at doing it live? I would that? fucking love to do a live episode of the E Word. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That I I was going to do one um for the fiftieth episode when I was at the Summit Shack. It was for the Origami Angel. Uh, did well. It was the equipment EP release show, and it <sighs> ended up just being way too many bands on that bill. There's like five or six bands that played and I was going to do uh, a live podcast there and try to get like, you know, members of the bands that come up. But then I'd never been to the summit check and I didn't realize it was literally just in a garage, no <laughs> stage at all. So I was like, yep. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, I, I have some stuff in the works, you know, hush, hush as if, you know, anyone gives a shit, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We, we Thank also you, uh, have similar connections at the summit check that I'm hoping to, hoping to uh, apply soon i think you could do yeah. uh, a podcast live set like you know just like literally on a floor no stage or anything uh when i lived in chicago there was a uh there was a secret comedy venue called the shithole um which was literally just an apartment um where oh, nice where people would do stand-up and sketch comedy and you could totally do like a podcast in that environment um and I do also, uh, this is kind of tangential, but I, I feel like um, comedians should start touring with bands again. That was kind of a thing in the early 2000s. Yeah. It's not, a, not a thing anymore. I like, uh, I know for a fact, like David Cross used to do like um, really long tours, like with bands. Um, but that's, that's, 
that's gone like the way of the dodo unfortunately like jim is, brewer was with like metallica for the longest time things like yeah that. Or, uh, Bob, yeah bobcat goldthway opened for nirvana um a whole bunch um oh really can we get, can we get mm-hmm. bob odenkirk to go on tour with beach bunny <laughs> <That'd be laughs> we make that happen <laughs> yes um does bob there's a confirmed connection Bob Odenkirk used to do stand up. Awesome. Stand up uh, pre Mr. Show. After that, he yeah. kind of mostly to acting. Um, oh. He, he might have like stopped. He could put together a good set. Yeah, he, I think he stopped doing stand up around the time that he was writing for SNL. Um, because prior to writing to, for SNL, he wrote for Second City and he wrote the, uh, the Living in a Van Down by the River sketch for Chris Farley. Um, oh, and, yes. He was still doing stand up around that time, but then uh, Mr. Show kind of like diverted uh, his interests. And now he is, you know, a big time dramatic actor. He was in fucking Little Women. So good for Bob Odenkirk. Oh, wow. I do have, I will give this observation like about comedy and music because, you know, as Ellie and I talked in the last episode, we did like, I, huge fans of both. And I, I, you obviously know your shit too. Like, I've one thing I've noticed is music plus comedy when people know it's music plus comedy equals good, but music plus comedy when people don't know comedy is going to be there equals bad. Uh, like I think people comedy is the kind of thing where like if you go to a comedy show, like you enter in a social contract almost where like you're ready to laugh and like you're primed to laugh and you know you're you're expecting it and you're more likely to laugh therefore. Not to say that the comedian ha- can't be funny. Like, they still got to be funny. But, like, I've played shows where people didn't really know that there was going to be comedy in between sets. And y- you're just hanging the comedians out to dry. And I don't know what that is, but, like, I just think <laughs> that definitely needs to be a thing. You know, people need to be aware that there's comedy coming. Otherwise, it's like, who the fuck's this guy with the microphone? I've definitely seen that firsthand where I'm just like, oh, God, this poor guy. And I'm just, like, laughing as hard as I can just, just because I feel so bad for them. Uh, on, the, on the flip side... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. My, my thing is uh, not, not health-related. Uh, I was just going to say on the flip side, I also think that uh, people who front bands should not use uh, the opportunity to workshop their stand-up sets. Thank like, you. Thank no. you. Tell that to my singer. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> to be fair, I saw um, the Cosmic Thrill Seekers release show in New York, and one of the members of Pictures of Vernon opened up before Prince of Daddy with just like 10 minutes of stand up. Everybody was really confused. And they, like, everybody was on stage, like, just cheering them on from the other three bands, just like, you go, dude. I was just like, that's hilarious. It was kind of, that's what I wanted to bring up. That's what I wanted to bring up. Wasn't there supposed to be a stand up comedian on, um, like, joining a leg of the Oso Oso P Daddy tour before everything got canceled? Is that true? Mm -hmm. That'd be sick. Maybe I'm thinking of a different tour, but there was definitely a larger a larger tour that was going to have stand up involved. Hmm. Well, I mean, like within if, our scene, if you're a comedian willing to do that, like props I know the to you. Summit Shack props to you with comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they did. And a people, whole block people at DIY prom. It. Yeah, it, like like I said, it, it prime. You got to prime people for it because a lot of times comedy too, like. 
you know, uh, again, speaking back to like the social contract, you sort of enter with comedy, like sometimes comedians will like push the boundaries a little bit. They'll say things like trying to find the line so that they know not to cross it sort of things like things that like outside of the context of comedy wouldn't be as acceptable. But like when you're saying things in the context of comedy, you might cringe, but be like, okay, well they're trying to make a joke. That's not necessarily reflective of their views, but like, so if you don't prime people that they're about to experience that, they might really get more offended at something, you know, there's just that, that uh, aspect of it too, that, you know, kind of needs to be considered. Because people even get upset at bands, like when they when they venture into like thornier material. Um, like if anyone remembers that band Pill Friends, um, they had some really really like confrontational lyrics and uh, also like confrontational like cover art. Um, and people would were very love or hate it on the subject. Um, uh, but I feel like if you're if you're venturing into uh, I uh, both comedy and DIY music, I think, uh, have something in common, which is even if it's not necessarily reflective of your personal views, it does kind of like um, part of your soul comes out when you do it. Um, oh yeah. So if you're not if you're not willing to deal with like some some sticky baggage, uh, then maybe reconsider the type of stuff that you're interested in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because I, I think like one thing that frustrates me a ton about comedians, like just is when when they'll they try to hide behind the the veil of well, it, I was just joking. Like you know, I guess like a really good example of that was like the when the Kobe passing and like the Ari Shafir. If you guys were aware of him, he was just like making all these quote-unquote jokes about Kobe. I mean, like, regardless of how you feel about Kobe Bryant, like, he was just saying a bunch of things that were just not funny and just really highly offensive things like that anybody, like, who was mourning at all or, like, the family would be just offended and there was no joke in it. So, but then he'll hide behind the whole veil of, like, well, I was just joking. Like, comedians sometimes will feel like they have this protection from scrutiny just because they're joking. Like, that's where it's like, you have to be of course, funny. <laughs> of course you're joking. It's a bit. You're a comedian. We get it. But like, if you're going to play with fire, you, you better make sure that you're bringing like actual heat, you know? Like, yeah. It better yeah. be funny. Well, I, I think, yeah. You gotta be ready. If you're willing to, if you're going to use those situations, you better be willing to risk those situations. You're, if you're going to be, take that big swing, you gotta be willing to risk missing. Like yeah. you might not land the joke right, and you might cause more problems than it's worth being funny. Like that's the cost you make. And I think the comedians I like the most are the comedians who who like understand that risk and are like, okay, what are the things that I'm most willing to say, and the ways I'm most willing to say them, and like find the things they stand for the most and care about saying the most. Like those are yeah. the actually say things we say. We're going to bring up Anthony Jeselnik, who is a master yep. of faux social. Yes. Yeah. I think he's an actual genius. Yeah. Um, his last special was not as good as his previous stuff, but uh, no. Thought, Thoughts and Prayers and Shakespeare are both like masterpieces. Yeah. Absolutely. I think what's well, the one? Caligula, too. Caligula that one is might not, might, one might only be an album on Spotify, but that one's just genius, too. He's, he's, he's a uh, master. Caligula is a full special always, Shakespeare. 
album. I enjoy uh, Anthony Jeselnik, but I never really. I always enjoyed more like long form, like storytelling driven comedians. Like Ber- Mike Birbiglia type. Stuff. Mike Birbiglia is my mm-hmm. favorite comedian, and my uh, girl, yeah. Kyle, my yeah. girlfriend's boyfriend is my favorite comedy special of all time. I think it is a master class in how to like tell a, fu- a story in the funniest way possible. He's that, like, um, still like bared emotion. Y'all are on Chris Gethard, right? Yeah. You, uh, seen, I saw Chris, I saw Chris <laughs> Gethard live in um in Baltimore like a few months ago. Absolute absolutely wonderful. Absolute yeah. master class. I saw That's him sick. opening for Mike Biglia. Um with, it was one of like my favorite uh comedy shows ever. Um oh, I saw Mike Biglia in what I now think is his worst special easily, and I'm so sad about it. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I saw him do the new one in Ann Arbor, but like it, it, he didn't have like all the props and stuff. And I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I didn't, you know, like compared to like girlfriend's boyfriend or sleepwalk with me, I didn't maybe think it was. I didn't like enjoy it as much, but you know, I, I think the new one's thinking, fine. I think, uh, thank God for jokes is kind of weak as hell, dude. The Netflix, it's it's really cringy at times. Like when he calls out that girl in the crowd. Like, um, or maybe I think it's a guy in the crowd. I can't remember, but um, he basically just gets really, I don't know. It got really uncomfortable. Like he was just like saying, like he just like I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. But if you like watch the special on Netflix, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I was just like, oh, um, I think it, I think recorded it kind of lost a lot of its power. Um, yeah. I was, I was just gonna say, I, if you want to see like a proper synthesis of uh, like the emo ethos and the comedy ethos, you should watch uh, "Career Suicide" by Chris Gethard. I think that's like that a, is a masterpiece. A recent all time. Have to check that out. Um, it's is that it's up there with like uh, with like "Make Happy" by Bo Burnham for like new classics. Oh, oh Great. shit! You could not have compared it to anything else that made me want to watch this more. Where can I watch it? Yeah, Bo Burnham's the shit, dude. Especially Make Happy, which is a beast yeah. of a special. HBO I saw, I, I saw Make Happy HBO. live, and that was yeah. fucking crazy. See, yeah. I saw um, Bo Burnham like freshman year of college, like when he was just coming out. This was like 2009, like early, like late 2009, and I, I had yeah, no idea who he like was. That. My whole family thinks I'm gay era. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Watching yeah. Bo Burnham grow up is almost as interesting. Is like it's like watching an emo band grow up. You can see them like see him evolve in his worldview and is the way he thinks yeah. about things. It's fascinating. It it really, really is. Ben, I feel like I caught you off on accident, dude. What were you gonna no, say? No, you're all you're all good. I was just talking about Chris Gethard. First of all, the Chris Gethard show is amazing. The Chris Gethard show is one of is like one of the funniest shows that I've ever watched, just in general. And um, Career Isn't Suicide it? got a re- vinyl release on Don Giovanni Records, I think. So much cred. That's so, so much cred. Right there. If that if if that tells you like if that tells you like how punk Chris Gethard is, um, whenever we whenever we saw him, um, my wife, who was my fiance then was like super into career suicide because it talked about like deep mental health issues. And like, she talked to Chris Gethard after the show and was like, yeah, I really want to thank you. Like, I really want to thank you for helping me through all this, like all this like mental anguish and like giving like a voice to this and everything like that. And he was just like, Oh, that's so nice. And like, I was like behind her and I was just like, yeah. um, Yeah. Pup is pretty cool. Right. (laughs) 
and that this, was all I this is say. I'm I'm watching this tonight and I will report back because I have yeah. not heard of this at all. She said it's it's on HBO. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't have HBO Go, you can just listen to it on Spotify, but it it like all stand up it loses a layer if you're just listening to it. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely watch it. What's everyone's favorite uh comedy special or album of all time? What's that? What's everyone's favorite comedy special or album of all time? I already gave oh. mine up. It's it's my girlfriend's boyfriend, though so, uh I would say okay. uh Make Happy and What are also up there. Hmm. Word. I I'm shame I'm shamelessly a Crystalia fanboy. I think Man on Fire is is one of is it's the one that comes to mind immediately. Just I just I just love Crystalia's I love his podcast too. I guess podcast is better than stand up. But I the whole you're not special thing, just like the the poking fun at like people thinking they're the star of their own movie sort of thing and just that idea. I really that was the kind of the theme of it and I really liked that a lot. Mm. And there's a British comedian in the UK called James A. Caster, and he's done a show called yeah. uh, Lasagna Hate Myself 1990. And for me, he's probably one of the greatest uh, new British stand-up comedians going at the moment. I don't know if he's made his way over to, to you guys yet. Mm. Uh, I, I've, seen, I've seen a little bit of him on Netflix. He's really good. I think New yeah. in Town is probably up there for me. That's a good um, one. Town is so good. Weirdo by Donald Glover actually for me i don't love that nearly as much as everybody else does i think it's a good comedy special but i know so many people who say it's like one of their favorites ever yeah i also think it's a product of its time yeah it's a product of its time um new in town definitely we hit on a couple of them uh the machine by burt kreischer is just hilarious because i think burt kreischer just has a way with words i i think dave Chappelle is is the best comedian that I'm aware of. Like, I think they like, as far as like crafting a joke and just naturally, naturally, as far as like skill, I think like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr are two of the best current living comedians. But like, as far as favorites, you know, I like, I like people that are more on the silly side of things like Theo Vaughn, Crystalia, um, you know, Tom, Tom Segura is another good one that I like a lot. Bert Kreischer. God, comedy is so white and male. I got <laughs> it. Really I got a Eliza Schlesinger, though. I, like, I got a top three for albums and a top three for like video, like recorded specials. Um, I think my top three comedy albums are Strategic Grill Locations by Mitch Hedberg, um, Shut Ooh, Up, You, you Fucking Baby by David Cross. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, Let Me Tell You About My New God by Maria Bamford. Um, okay. And then, uh, like, video-wise, uh, Live on the Sunset Strip by Richard Pryor, uh, Jamming Classic. in New York by George Carlin, and Killing Him Softly by Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Killing Him Softly. Killing Him Softly is, yeah, that's, that, that one's hard to argue. You, you picked off a lot of classics, for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm. New one, like, you said, mentioned, like, it's very white and male. It's just so true. It almost makes me, like, feel like I have to <laughs> mention people that, like, are not white males, but, like, I genuinely really, really enjoyed the Taylor Tomlinson's uh, recent special that came out on Netflix. I can't remember what it's called, but it's just, like, it's just such a fresh perspective of, like, a young person just... I don't know. It, it's it's good. It's good. 
you know, and I'm not, I'm not qualifying saying, oh, she's good for a female comedian. You know, it's, it's just good comedy. You know, those are my favorite. Nikki Glazer is another one that comes to mind where it's like, it's just good comedy. It's not like good female comedy. That, that, yeah, that, that's same thing with music too. Like that really annoys me. Like when people make, I mean, sometimes bands will make that a part of their identity and that's fine. You know what I mean? But like when it's not explicitly a part of a band's identity, the fact that maybe it's like female fronted or like non-binary fronted it and people will automatically make it their identity that that's well, annoying to me it comes down to the fact that you're allowed to label yourself labeling yourself is an important yes. part of understanding yourself yeah other people aren't allowed to label you right that's exactly what i'm saying uh, like, like to that effect one comedy special i've seen in recent years was uh hannah gatsby's the net which is on netflix which kind of yeah. talks about this the special is literally about this shit because like she's like uh she's talking about being a lesbian comedian and how like this is her like sixth special or something and by now everybody expects her to tell the lesbian jokes and they're like you're not being like a really lesbian comic and she's like what the fuck does that mean right mm -hmm. like you're allowed to like celebrate your identity but people aren't allowed to tell you how you're supposed to celebrate it or even if you're supposed to you're simply allowed to if you want to yeah yeah whitney cummings uh really leaned into that i think in her newest special oh can i touch um, it yeah that was pretty good we saw we actually saw that live um the day before she recorded it for oh that's Netflix. awesome yeah, uh, so like, another, we got that the live perspective for it. I think another special that kind of leans into that in a similar way is uh, Sarah Silverman's Jesus is Magic. Um, oh, God, Sarah Silverman's amazing. Sarah Silverman's well, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, haven't seen her, she, I haven't seen a special person in a long time, though. She is responsible for two of my favorite bits of all time. Um, one is... Uh, the joke about the doctor on Jesus's magic, which I feel like I can't repeat here because it's very touchy. Um, and then the other like all time amazing bit is on the Sarah Silverman program where there's like a montage of her getting abortions over and over again with a uh, good riddance by green day in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So well, on that hey, show, you know, guys, I, I need to shoot okay. off because it's 1am. Um, and I just want to say thanks for having me guys in the oh, yeah. yeah, thanks yeah, for staying sure. around and staying up with my yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being it was a blast. Here. My pleasure, guys. Um, my pleasure. It was good to hear you guys. For we sure. all just thanks. became the host right there. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Fuck who, who I was, says thank you? Who says thank you? <laughs> Fuck. Um yeah, I so I actually kind of have to wrap it up too. I'm not even at my house, I'm at my girlfriend's house. We, we've been going for an class, hour and so a half. Like, I think I think we yeah. can justify wrapping it up. Also, yeah. half of this what was I'm gonna, about socio-political shit, and the other half was just about comedy. Dude, I I th I feel like I feel really good about this. Honestly, I wasn't sure like if it was just I wasn't sure if it was just gonna be like a jumbled mess or. But I'm I'm proud of us. I think a collective pat on the back is in order. Um, yeah, I was expecting. I, I, <laughs> I will. Uh, I, would you guys be down like? Can I just like send you the Craig download link if you guys all want to like because yeah, you guys are yeah, more than like, welcome to put this out on your platforms? You know what I mean? Then like, we can record we our own intros and shit. How we want to put this out? Are we all just going to put out like the full audio? Or I figured Has like we could. We haven't. I I figured I would just send you guys the link to download it however you wanted to from Craig, and then um, and then you know, 
or I could send you the waves waves, but like I'm fine with everybody putting it out on their platforms if they want to as like a podcast episode. Yeah, that way it it promotes that promotes it the most. You know what I mean? More than just one of us doing it. I like it. Cool. All righty. Hey, this was a blast, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a good time. And any of you, any of you guys, Ben or whoever who's like in a band or whatever. If you want to be on my podcast, by all means, hit me up. If you got like music to promote or something, we'll do hopefully soon. Hell yeah! All right, you guys take care. Have a great night, everybody. Bye. And that's it, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, make sure you go check out those podcasts and um, go give my podcast "Invite the Neighbors" a follow on on uh, at itn pod on Twitter at invite the neighbors on Instagram. Um, and if you're if you feel so inclined, if you're a regular listener and you want to maybe contribute via Patreon, even if you submit like fifty cents a month, if enough people do it, it kind of helps me just keep the podcast hosted. But I know you know a lot of people in music are broke. It's all good. So, um, but yeah, it's Patreon.com/slash/invite the neighbors if you're interested in that. All right, guys, thanks for listening.